Welcome into the On3 Studios here in Nashville, Tennessee. I am back from vacation, back in the saddle, just trying to figure out how this thing works again. So, so just bear with me as we're also recovering, right? We're recovering from the craziness of the holidays, the craziness of National Signing Day 2024. And I'm going to cover what still remains because remember, that was just the early period we have through February till the late period. So, we're going to cover that. But honestly, I think it's time to turn the page to 2025. Hear me out. I know it's weird because 2025 hasn't exactly started yet. We're still in between the early period and the late period of 2024. I said through February. I mean, February 7. It's always the first Wednesday in February is when the 2024 cycle will end. But honestly, 2025 is here. Just look at this. Here's a list of the top 15 prospects in America, and a number of these guys are coming off the board in the next three to four weeks. Look at this. Number one QB, Bryce Underwood. He's going to make his decision on January 6th. We got DeCorian Moore, number one wide receiver, already off the board to LSU. We got Justice Terry, number two defensive lineman, already committed to Georgia. Harlem Barry sitting there at 11. He's the number one running back in America, but he's going to make his decision on January 3rd. Jamie French already committed to Alabama. And then at 15, we got George McIntyre. He's the number two rated quarterback in America, and he could be next after Underwood. And when I mean next, he could be right after him. I think he makes a decision probably somewhere in February, maybe at the latest early March. So, so yeah, take a look. These are the top 15 players in America, and they are coming off the board quick in the 2025 cycle. We're going to talk Bryce Underwood in just about five minutes. I got LSU insider Shea Dixon coming on the show. But speaking of LSU in 2025, I mean, look at this. They're trending heavily for the number one quarterback in Bryce Underwood. They've already landed the number one wide receiver in DeCorian Moore. The number one running back, Harlan Barry, commits January 3rd, and LSU is trending at 98% on the recruiting prediction machine. So that being said, LSU, the Tigers, they could have three number ones at their position committed before the 2025 cycle even officially begins. So we're going to have to see what happens. But Underwood did make a recent visit to Michigan and Alabama. I'm going to talk to Shea if LSU is concerned about that. All right. Let's take a step back now. Let's go back to the 2024 cycle. Here's a look at the top 10 team rankings as it stands after the early signing day window has closed. Texas is the big mover here after landing Aaron Butler. Remember, he decommitted from Colorado about a month ago, did not sign on Wednesday. But by Friday, Texas lands him and moves up a spot from four to three. Oregon in there at four, Ohio State, Miami, Auburn, Oklahoma, LSU, Notre Dame, and then Florida State knocked out of that top 10 on signing day. So that's what it looks like. And here's a few guys that could cause some movement because we got five unsigned recruits in the top 100. I didn't say uncommitted. Some are. They just didn't sign in the early period. Now, here's what we're looking at. Ryan Williams, he's committed to Alabama. Remember, he reclassified from 2025 to 2024, so he wasn't expected to be an early enrollee. He's going to sign in February. That's the only reason he didn't sign. But Auburn, maybe Texas, they're still, they're still recruiting him. Athlete Terry Bussey, he's a five-star. He did not sign with AM. He's still committed. LSU is probably the team that if he were to flip, they would have the best chance. Dominic McKinley, the number one ranked player in the state of Louisiana, committed to AM. It sounds like he's pretty solid. LSU, Texas, Oklahoma trying to loosen up that commitment. 
Then you got Gatlin Bear, wide receiver, number 43 overall. He's uncommitted, uncommitted and unsigned. That's very rare in the top 100. Michigan leads on the recruiting prediction machine, but Oregon also heavily involved there. Then you got Zay Mincy. Now, Zay Mincy, he's not going to wait till February to sign. He's already signed, but nobody knows who he signed with. It's UF, Miami, Alabama, and FSU. He's going to announce his decision January 6th at the All-American Bowl. So Zay Mincy is signed with somebody, did it during the early period, but he's going to make his announcement on January 6th. So these are the top prospects in the top 100 that remain uncommitted and unsigned, only five of them. All right, we're going to get into the show. We got a great show today. We're going to talk Bryce Underwood, Dixon. We're going to talk some Oklahoma recruiting, and then we'll also break down Coach Prime's recruiting strategy with Jesse Simonton. All right, let's get to it. We are getting down to the final days before the number one quarterback in America, Bryce Underwood, makes his final decision. And I got LSU insider Shay Dixon on today's show to find out if the Tigers are still the team to beat because Underwood took recent visits to both Michigan and Alabama. But first, LSU fans, smash that subscribe button for me. We are entering an exciting time for LSU fans. We want you to be a part of it. So hit subscribe to the On3 Recruits channel. Thank you. All right, let's bring on Shea Dixon from the Bengal Tiger. Now, Shea, we're talking number one. So before we get to Bryce Underwood, we got to talk number one running back in the 2025 class, Harlan Berry. He comes off the board three days before Underwood. He'll make his decision January 3rd. And LSU is trending at 98% on the recruiting prediction machine. Are there any stumbling blocks between LSU and Barry for this January 3rd decision? You know, at this point, from all the sources I've spoken with, everything points towards LSU, which matches the on three recruiting prediction machine, which favors the Tigers in a big way. And Josh, you'll remember, this will be 10 years to the date. And if you look behind me, we're not far off from St. Pete uh, when we were there for uh, a number of announcements that included Leonard Fournette, Under Armour game. the number one running, the Under Armour game. Yes, the number one running back in the country at the time also out of New Orleans, also a five-star, also being recruited by Frank Wilson. So 10 years later, here we are doing it again with another New Orleans running back, a five-star. And Barry will be the first underclassman to ever make a declaration at the game. So that'll kind of be an interesting uh, thing to see if uh, they carry on that tradition moving forward. But yes, LSU is not only trending, but I feel very good about my pick for the Tigers to keep the number one running back in the country, uh, home in Louisiana for college. Yeah, what a day down there at Tropicana Field 10 years ago. I can't believe you still remember that. All right, let's talk Bryce Underwood now because we are less than two weeks out from his decision. I think we're about 12 days out. Now, does LSU not having an OC, Shay? Does They do not have an OC left for Notre Dame. Is that going to be an issue when Underwood makes his decision in on January 6th? I don't think it will be. Look, Mike Denbrock uh, served LSU very well in the two seasons he was here after following or coming with Kelly uh, when he was hired and being hired away from Cincinnati. He returns home, obviously, uh, to Notre Dame, a stop he's made a number of times, this time as an offensive coordinator again. But he was not the main recruiter on Bryce Underwood and, and really wasn't even one of the top two or three recruiters. The main recruiter mm-hmm. is Joe Sloan, who's currently the co-offensive coordinator for the bowl game and will obviously be on staff moving forward. So I don't look at the coordinator situation right now as a hurdle. And I think one thing to remember Josh too, is that 
Underwood's going to announce, but he has a whole year before he signs. So LSU's had those conversations with him about what things will look like moving forward. And he's already seen what they looked like this year when they had a Heisman winner in Jaden Daniels and finished with the number one offense in college football. Okay, then why haven't you put your prediction in for LSU on Underwood? Not I, I want to know. Um, I think the fans on your message board want to know. I'm not as bold as you, Josh, doing it a, a month or two out. Uh, I usually try to wait till uh, all the dust, dust is settled. When we get about a week out from the decision, as I told the members of the Bengal Tiger, I will go ahead and put my on three RPM, RPM pick in then. But I will say, I am here in Tampa. Uh, I've talked to a number of LSU sources. And the buzz that's coming out of LSU right now is that they've withstood the pre, you know, the push that teams like Michigan, Bama, and many others have made leading up to this January 3rd date. Now, mm-hmm. it would be foolish to say, don't worry about Bama. Don't worry about the in-state Michigan team. I still think, though, that LSU's done enough work here, got them to campus enough times, and has everything sort of set up to get Bryce Underwood on board on January the 6th. Now, we'll see how it unfolds. That's just where I sit right now. Harlan Barry, number one at his position. DeCorian Moore, number one wide receiver in the country, already committed to LSU. QB number one could be committing on January 6th. What is the ceiling for this class if and when Bryce Underwood is on board on January 6th? Because technically, the 2025 cycle doesn't even start until February. Uh, yes, and it started long ago, as we know. Recruiting never <laughs> sleeps. Um Look, LSU on, on, on the on three uh, industry rankings team or recruiting rankings has a top five class right now. They got Keelan yep. Moses at the end of November, one of the top linebackers in America. And as you noted, Barry coming up, Underwood coming up. And then the guys you mentioned, DeCorian Moore being a number one receiver, Teron Francis, uh, a number one, the number one receiver in Louisiana is already committed. If you get Barry and Underwood, you move up to the number one class. So mm-hmm. the ceiling is number one. They'll be number one if they get those two guys. Does that last all the way till signing day? I don't know that, but I will say you get those two guys and momentum really starts to roll in a year when not only is LSU known for the ability to recruit nationally, but they've put a big focus on Louisiana and East Texas. And Louisiana is very, very deep with top-end talent in the 2025 cycle. So the feeling around LSU circles is that if they play their cards right, it is a no-doubt top-five class and really can push teams like Alabama and Georgia for the number one class if things play out over the next 12, 13 months as they hope. All right. Well, we are about four or five weeks away from the February 7th signing day to wrap up the 2024 cycle. And there are still a couple five-star targets on board. Who's more likely, in your opinion, Shay? Five-star athlete Terry Bussey, who is committed to Texas A&M, or five-star defensive lineman Dominic McKinley, who is committed to Texas A&M? I go back and forth with this one a lot. And I think if you asked LSU sources who uh, are even involved in these recruitments, they'll have varying opinions on which one might be more likely. I would probably pick the Louisiana guy being Don McKinley. And granted, he look, he didn't make visits to LSU during the year. He's giving them an official visit in January. You yeah. hope to build on that leading up to February signing day. Terry Bussey's already made his official visit to LSU. He will be back in January as the expectation on an unofficial visit. And Bussey said he's going to check out a bunch of schools, then make that final decision. But Bussey seems to me, Josh, like the kind of guy who's always – been an A&M lean and then had been an A&M commitment and remains an A&M commitment through all these coaching changes. As a Texas guy, I still think the Aggies have a pretty good shot to hold on to him. So 
LSU, again, they could go either way. Many people feel confident that they can pull it off with Bussy. I'll just go the McKinley route. I think the Louisiana pick, a guy who lives 40 minutes down the road, right. is my safer bet at this stage. All right. Well, that could put them inside the top five. We'll see how 2024 finishes, but 2025 is off to a very hot start. Shay Dixon with the Bengal Tiger. Thank you for dropping by the inside scoop. Coach Prime should be commended for the talent that he's bringing into Boulder, and he should be commended for how he turned around the fortunes of a one-win program. But after the early signing day, Colorado is sitting at 44th in the on three industry ranking. So in this video, I want to break down Coach Prime's recruiting strategy and see if there's a hidden message in there. But first, Colorado fans, do me a favor. Hit subscribe to the On3 Recruits channel. We talk recruiting all day, every day, 365 days out of the year. Hit subscribe. All right, thank you. Let's bring on Jesse Simonton, national analyst here at On3. And Jesse, I said it at the top, they finished 44th. Headline, though, by that five-star offensive tackle, Jordan Seaton. So there is some talent in there. And as Coach Prime likes to say, he's bringing the Louie luggage with them. Now, this cycle, though, there was only three signees in the top 100. So my question to you is, do you think Coach Prime is not as good of a high school recruiter as we thought, or does he just value recruiting at that level differently? Yeah, Josh, thanks for having me. I mean, I, you know, 44th, I'm less concerned with where Colorado is maybe ranked specifically. You know, their average player ranking because the class is so small is pretty low. You mentioned the Louis luggage there. Well, I think Dion is a bag or three short, and I think that's the problem here. You know, uh, a, a coach's first full recruiting cycle is so pivotal uh, to the future success of his program. You've had a year to de kind of to develop a board, to define relationships with both high school coaches and prospects, whether in your you know backyard, your home state. Colorado's probably not going to recruit Colorado that hard, or elsewhere, Texas, Florida you know, uh, California, what have you. And for them to just sign such a small class, um, to me, it just reeks of bad process. And I understand that Dion is constantly going to go portal heavy. He has and has kind of outlined this 40-40-20 plan. We've just never seen that, you know, work. And that's not to say it can't, Josh. So I'm not, you know, before Colorado fans and, and the Buffs want to stampede, you know, with their herd of, of Dion faithful that, that I'm kind of, you know, throwing cold water on, on his potential there. I just, we just haven't seen that. And so it is highly unusual um, for this to be kind of the plan in action in, in, in year two. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know that Dion is not a good high school recruiter, but to date we haven't seen him, you know, enter a high school in the walls like the Kirby Smarts and the, right, and yeah. the Nick Sabans and Ryan Day. We've talked about that before. He doesn't visit these programs. It, it is a chip in his, uh, you know, bag that he was able to get Travis Hunter, the number one player in the country, to commit to Jackson State without ever once setting foot on Hunter's high school campus. But I'm not sure that's a model that's going to work for every single, you know, blue chip prospect. You mentioned three top 100 guys. That's not bad. If Dion had maybe also signed another three to six top two fifty guys, but the fact that there's no other you know young prospects to develop there, and they're relying so heavily on bringing guys from the portal, we'll see if it works. 
Yeah. Well, but isn't it kind of working? I mean, from an overall perspective, right? Like, let's take a step back thinking about when Deion Sanders arrived at Colorado. That roster needed an overhaul, and it has been. So, as Coach Prime would say, Jesse, do you believe? Well, he, I, 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 I mean, it did need an overhaul. He's reckoning unlike we've ever seen, yeah. uh, it, you know, in, in a one-year turnaround, basically – bringing in upwards of almost 80, you know, new players now, mm-hmm. but I, I, I would return to you, Josh. It was 20 high school prospects or thereabouts a year ago that he signed to so dramatically decide, Hey, we, we can't even sign half that in this next high school class when you should have been able to establish better relationships, should have been able to obviously get guys on campus hosting mm-hmm. these pivotal recruiting weekends it's an odd strategy. Do I believe? I believe Colorado is in a better position today because of some of their portal, uh, you know, signees that they will probably go bowling a year from now in 2024. Yeah. Do I believe that Deion Sanders is long term for Colorado? Less and less likely by the day because I just if if he is, this is a very strange strategy to put in motion. 60-some-odd transfers a year ago, you mentioned. He did flip the roster, but they brought in a lot of guys that they have already decided weren't good enough to play at Colorado. So they're already trying to over-recruit on guys they brought in a year ago, including multiple offensive linemen. That is just such a hard position to recruit year in and year out of the transfer portal. And yet Seton, a five-star, awesome, but he's just one body. And you got to get more high school developmental prospects or else you're going to be relying on three, four, five transfers every single year at that position. Okay, I want I want to stay there. You said something interesting, and I got a question here. What does Colorado's recruiting strategy tell you about Coach Prime's goals for this program? Well, I think clearly, and I've written this before, and I've gotten pushback from Colorado faithful that you know I think Dion has a bit of a patience problem. This is a guy that's been so successful in every single avenue of his life. What, whether it's playing, whether it's being as a broadcaster, whether it was playing baseball, NFL, and even quickly as a coach, he won almost immediately at Jackson State. And so the fact that they were going to suffer some real growing pains, it, rebuilds are hard, Josh. They're yeah. painful. They're laborious. They, they take a long time to actually come to fruition and really get out of the mud and really build that it wasn't like he inherited a roster that even had any scaffolding. This was a, a, a program that was stripped to the studs. So he needed to build an entire new foundation. I think he was disappointed that they didn't make a bowl game naturally. So in year one, but four or five wins from a one win program the year before that's a reasonable success from any, you know, reasonable eyes. I understand the goalposts got moved a little bit a year ago for the buffs, but that last year was was a success. The idea now that Dion himself has kind of at least teased the college football playoff, you know, Big 12 championship mm-hmm. and whatnot, I would say that's a little bit too fast. But again, that's the patience problem that he's running up against. So these moves, the fact that they have gone so portal heavy again to fill the roster, I think it's clear that Dion at minimum wants to make a bowl game or better in 2024, best positioning his son Shador Sanders, you know, for kind of an NFL leap year. And then we'll see, because I think after that, it's anyone's guess 
where where prime may be in 2025. Mm. All right. Well, we know where the high school recruiting class ranks and in the portal, they're very active and there's about to be a second round of names hitting after these New Year's Six Bowls. And so how would you grade so far Colorado's Hall and what do they what positions do they still need to fill in your opinion? Yeah, I would give it a I would give it a solid uh, B plus. I mean, I think they've maybe a B or B plus. Mm-hmm. You know, Dion himself tweeted out. I think it was just yesterday or the day before. Um, pretty much every position on defense, I believe that tweet read. He read Santa. He still needs them. You yeah. know, is back at the North Pole. Santa's back at the North Pole, but could he bring him? I think a pass rusher, a corner, a linebacker, and a defensive <laughs> lineman. So. Yeah. I would say the needs are are are, are apparent there, Josh. They they need to get better on defense. That was a real sore spot for the for the team a year ago, just because they couldn't hold up. The depth just wasn't there. Um, so those at least on the offensive line, you can you can go find another solid linebacker. You got Lundy from Florida State. I think that's a great pickup. Yeah. Cornerbacks uh, are readily available in the portal. Um, defensive lineman, pass rusher, those are, are more premium positions. Uh, but perhaps, you know, Colorado and the, the path to immediate playing time at a Power 5 program will be will be attractive to someone. I would not be surprised at all if Colorado, you know, kicked the tires on the on the Purdue pass rusher that just uh, entered the in, in portal. He, you know, he led the program in sacks, had like nine and a half a year ago. Uh, bigger body, kind of the type of uh, player Colorado actually needs off the edge so they they have they're not going to turn down any any quality uh p5 starter um specifically on the defensive line yeah so we're we've kind of beaten around the bush do you think coach prime intends to be in boulder beyond the 2024 season Rivalry season is here, and you better have your tickets. There's still some great games left in the season, but you know what's not great? Finding last-minute tickets. Finding tickets before a game can be a nightmare. Do not let this be the way that your season ends. That's why I'm here to tell you about Game Time. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the big-time matchups. Game Time will get you to this year's biggest college football games with elite deals on last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee. Don't stress over getting into your favorite team's biggest rivalry game of the year. There's only so many big games, and you need to get these tickets at the best prices. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Game time has tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It is the place to find last-minute tickets. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets on all sports and even concert events. So here's what we're going to do. Snag the tickets without stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code INSIDESCOOP to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use code INSIDESCOOP for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. No. No, and and you know it, again, I may, it could be health related. Who knows? Maybe this is maybe the reason he doesn't travel to these high schools is because of his. Uh, you know, he kind of has the the, the foot uh, deal, and that it's required multiple surgeries. Perhaps that's something that keeps him from from making those moves. But if that's the case, then Josh, he's just not going to be long term for college football. Um, so right now, but maybe it's not. Maybe again, maybe that it could that could totally just be a strategy on his part that he is not interested 
in kind of doing said legwork. And so I, I am, I am dubious that he is going to be the Buffs head coach in 2025. Certainly wouldn't rule it out. If he's able to land, you know, uh, you know, one of these impact prep quarterbacks here, I think that's going to be uh, a telltale right. that sign. That would be telling. If, who does he get? That would be telling who he gets. If he gets a quarterback um, from the 2025 class or, or even, you know, that they get their teeth in a transfer that has three, you know, if a Malachi Nelson or somebody like that yeah. ends up uh, at Colorado, I think that would be telling. But right now, what his his actions are speaking more than 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 kind of Deion's? Do you believe? Do I again? I believe he's going to have the team a lot better even in twenty twenty four. Likely a bowl team in twenty twenty five. I'm hesitant to commit one way or another that he's actually going to be at the you know in Boulder. All right. Well, we'll see. But for now, I mean, they are rebuilding this roster. Colorado fans, let me know. Comment section below. What do you guys think of Colorado's recruiting strategy? And do you think it's telling that maybe Coach Prime will be not long for the job? Or is this his long-term stop? Let me know. Comment section below. Jesse Simonton, thank you for joining the Inside Scoop. Thanks for having me, Josh. Brent Venables was not satisfied. He's saying that Oklahoma wants more. So in this video, I got Soonerscoop.com insider Josh McQuistian to talk about what more looks like in the wake of an early signing day. So first, Oklahoma fans, hit subscribe to the On3 Recruits channel. We're doing this thing 365 days out of the year, all recruiting, all the time. Hit subscribe. All right, let's bring on Josh McQuistian from Sooner Scoop. Josh, if we're talking about adding from the high school level, then there's two names that I could see Oklahoma having a shot at, and they're both committed to Texas A&M. That's five-star athlete Terry Bussey and five-star defensive lineman Dominic McKinley. But do you think that Oklahoma has a shot at these guys? Well, we'll start with minimizing the list. I think Oklahoma might have been in the market for Terry Bussey, but when they went and got Deion Burks in the transfer portal from Purdue, I think that really just kind of closed their doors. They feel pretty good about where their numbers are, and so I think they're going to move forward. Now, the guy that I do think is worth watching is Dominic McKinley. That's okay. a guy that you know you and I talked about a lot through the fall, and Oklahoma, he, he was always a priority option for them. So I I do expect them to go down that road and uh, really chase him until the end. All right, so now Don McKinley says he's going to take some trips in the month of January. Do you expect Oklahoma to be one of the destinations that he makes a stop at? It's such an interesting choice because the things you hear him talk about are a lot of official visits. You know, going to get out and see some places he hasn't really seen or hasn't used his official visits for. We know Oklahoma's already kind of played that card. So right. I think... What I, what I do think is interesting is if he makes it to Oklahoma, I think we know they're a very real contender in this thing. And I, the other problem for OU, and I brought it up several times, is that not only have they already used their official visit, but the other problem is Oklahoma's already sent Brent Venables in home. Like I, I, There's a part of me and, and some people that I've talked to that thinks that Oklahoma kind of thought maybe they could slide in the back door and get mm -hmm. him to sign in December and kind of maybe pull off a real surprise win there, and that's why they sent Brentable, uh, excuse me, Brent Venables in home in late December, or I guess in mid-December, right before the early signing period. But obviously that didn't play out. So I, I think Oklahoma's kind of got one hand tied behind their back a little bit. They don't have some of the big bullets to fire that some of these other programs may have. 
so we'll have to see where that goes. But I, I, again, I think there's a really good relationship there between he and Todd Bates. And, you know, I, I think we also know that Oklahoma is more than willing to be competitive in the NIL game. So we'll, I, I, there are things that play for Oklahoma, but I, I think they, you know, are, are certainly not where they want to be in this recruitment right now. Well, if we see things heat up between Dominic McKinley and Oklahoma, if Dominic McKinley shows up at Oklahoma, it could be a very good sign because it means that it's initiated by Dominic McKinley. It sounds like what you're saying, Oklahoma did kind of use all the tools in their toolbox already with the in-home, with the official. So if it is to further, it's going to be on Dom McKinley to do so. We'll see what happens. Now, the transfer portal, that is the other place that Brent Venables can go to add talent. So when it comes to the portal, what do you think are the Sooners' biggest needs still left to address? Well, Josh, this is going to shock you with all of our conversations over the last six, seven months. There's going to be a lot of offensive line and defensive line work, uh, you know, here for Oklahoma. They already have several commitments, uh, mm -hmm. you know, most recently, Fabechi Nowewu, whose name I will probably never get down properly. <laughs> but a uh, big offensive lineman of North Texas with a freshman All-American. Uh, that was helped a lot by Seth Luttrell becoming Oklahoma's offensive coordinator, former North Texas head coach, recruited Fabechi to North Texas. So I, I think there was a lot connecting that. Um, along the defensive line is where I think you're going to see more movement going forward. I think there's still one or two offensive linemen. But, you know, you look at Oklahoma just yesterday, or excuse me, just on Tuesday, offering uh, Caden Woolard, uh, the defensive end from Miami of Ohio. Uh, yeah. They've also offered Albany's Ashton Junkaj. And I, I expect him to take a visit at some point, maybe after the, uh, the first of the year. So I think you're going to see some things happening here, on the, especially on the edge. I think that's where they know they need some help. Uh, they're still probably, you know, waiting for a few guys, like a lot of people kind of waiting to see what, um, what settles out of these last few days. But I, I do think almost exclusively what remains for them is along the line of scrimmage. Okay, so Oklahoma plays their bowl game on Thursday, 8.15 p.m., do you expect after the bowl game, is that when the action's really going to start to get heated up? I think it could. I mean, I think you're going to see a few more guys that will probably depart just based on, you know, Brent Venables in his signing day press conference, you know, it, it talked about 27 signees, which which they have now. Yep. And the 28, which obviously is a reference to Dominic McKinley. And then he got roughly 10 guys in the portal. That means Oklahoma's still got to find five, six, seven spots. So mm -hmm. there are absolutely going to be some more moves that are going to happen. Uh, LV Bunkley Shelton, the uh, former Arizona State receiver that transferred in, he's now headed back out. I wouldn't be shocked if there's a little more movement at receiver. Um, they, there's still going to be some, um, some thinning of the herd. There, there's just no question. But I think Oklahoma is getting to where they want to be, where it's, you know, maybe seven guys, ten guys – it's more in line with what Brent Venables wants to do with the portal, where it's really addressing needs rather than, you know, just trying to fill up and really make that a big portion of your roster. All right. Well, Josh McQuistion, thank you for dropping by the inside scoop. It sounds like Oklahoma's still not done yet. A couple big targets left on the board. We'll continue to follow it. Thank you. Always enjoy it, Josh. Thank you for watching. If you enjoyed that content, be sure to subscribe to the On3 Recruits channel. We have a new page dedicated only to recruiting. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button right now.